All right. We'll get started. Uh, it is January 24. Uh, this is How to Win in Court Without a Liar. I'm Dave Horowitz, and I will be uh, your host tonight. Thanks for joining me. Uh, tonight going to be an interesting topic, and uh, basically is the foundation for the laws that uh, <laughs> that individuals find themselves under. But uh, the topic tonight is uh, what what citizenship are you claiming, heaven or a nation of the world? Uh, citizenship decides the laws that you're subject to, uh, and citizenship is voluntary. So uh, choose choose wisely, because uh, citizenship does decide which laws that you are subject to. Okay, and it is important. Uh, Philippians three twenty to twenty one, but we are citizens of heaven, and it is from there that we expect to deliver the Lord Yeshua the Messiah. He will change the bodies we have in this humble state and make them like his glorious body using the power which enables him to bring everything under his control. And it's kind of kind of like what Linda was speaking about uh, two weeks ago, that, you know, again, you, you either operate under man's laws and subject yourself to them, uh, or you operate under God's laws, and, and you subject yourself to them. Uh, it's your choice what you are going to, uh, you know, subject yourself to. Again, that's free will. Unfortunately, the system isn't very good at allowing you to exercise your free will. Um, and I'll bring this back around as to how, how this helps in court. All right, citizenship is defined at, defined in the Constitution in the first clause of the first section of the 14th Amendment. It says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction, jurisdiction is another word for authority, thereof, are citizens of the United States and the state where they reside, wherein they reside. Okay, so there's some there's some things here like re- reside, residence. Those terms are are uh, tied to citizenship. Okay. Uh, again, Bible says uh, you know uh, I'm a, a sojourner in the land. Okay, a sojourner doesn't reside, <laughs> sojourns. Okay, that. Uh, it, it means I'm from somewhere else, and my citizenship comes from somewhere else. Uh, citizenship, okay, is another definition that I had found is the legal link between an individual and a state or territory, as a result of which the individual is entitled with certain rights, protections, and privileges and subject to certain obligations and allegiance. Membership in a sovereign state. And sovereign, again, if you look what they call sovereign, uh, the government, they consider themselves sovereign, that they're a sovereign state. 
most nations of the world do. People consider themselves sovereign. Uh, they've made up, uh, you know, uh, a negative. Basically, they made up an oxymoron uh, and started labeling people with that. And I'm sure everybody's heard of a uh, sovereign citizen. Okay, well, a citizen is a slave, and a sovereign. <coughs> Excuse me. A sovereign has the ultimate authority. Okay? So you can't have, uh, you cannot be a sovereign and a subject, okay, a citizen or a uh, slave, okay, uh, being subjected at the same time as, you know, <laughs> being a sovereign. It's an oxymoron. So, again, uh, it's something that was made up because people were claiming to be sovereign over themselves and the, their stuff. Um, they, you know, they turned it into, and I say they, the federal government, the FBI, created uh, uh, this title, okay, and it basically is defined as a domestic terrorist, okay? But getting back to citizenship, I didn't mean to veer off there. Uh, citizenship in Rome was used to legitimize the empire's rule over conquered areas and individuals. Okay? Uh, <laughs> it's always been that way. It's free-range slavery. Uh, it also is defined as political membership. A citizen is synonymous with subject civilian, voter, national, aboriginal, inhabitant, resident, settler, taxpayer, commoner, dweller, occupant, native, John or Jane Q. Public, freed man or woman, member of a body politic, excuse me, member of a body politic, member of a community, or a naturalized person, which is a corporation, okay? So those things are all synonymous with the, the, the term citizen, okay, or the title citizen. It means your subject. What is subject? Subject is conditional or being dependent on something. Contracts, one that owes allegiance, to a sovereign and is governed or controlled by his laws. Subject is also res, as in a trust, okay? Uh, the res, the thing, okay? Um, <laughs> this is why subject matter jurisdiction is an important topic, okay? Uh, which we're not going to get into tonight, but allegiance is an obligation of fidelity and obedience, which an individual owes to a sovereign. So the Pledge of Allegiance, which a lot of us grew up doing every single day uh, as kids, was getting us to, basically, it was indoctrinating us. It was uh, Pavlov's dog uh, <laughs> test, basically, that... Basically, when you pledge allegiance, you are 
obligating yourself to and uh, basically uh, you are uh, giving over your freedom in exchange for obedience, which an individual owes to a sovereign, okay? You are, you are uh, entering into a covenant with a sovereign, conflict, right? Subject. Subject. Whoa. Guys, can you uh, mute out, please? Guys, if you could mute out. Thank you. So again, subject. Uh, one of the one of the definitions of subject is contracts. Okay, one that owes allegiance to something through a contract, a covenant, an oath. Okay, owes to owe is an obligation in return for something received, indebted. Just like the Bible says, a borrower or a slave to the lender. Okay, indebted. So, and I and I'm not maybe I'll speak on it for a second, but uh, the Supreme Court has said numerous times over the last oh, five years or so uh, that the uh, government is not. Uh, or that police are not there to protect you or your rights. Um, and that has been uh, said over and over again. Okay. Um, when you are a citizen, okay, the definition of citizen is one who gives their allegiance and obedience in exchange for protection. So that's the only thing, protection. So if they don't have a duty to protect you, there's no duty or obligation to obey. Uh, that right there voided out that contract, that covenant. Okay? And it was done because there's, <laughs> nobody wants to take any, any responsibility in the public system. It's a system of limited liability. Okay, so citizenship is based 100% in debt an obligation between the parties, okay? Something's due, something's owed. Allegiance for protection, protection for allegiance, okay? So that's citizenship. <laughs> and it is 100% debt-based, which connotates uh, slavery, okay? The current oath of allegiance in the U.S., and I got this from the... Uh, from the, uh, uh, what is it, the uh, State Department, okay? And I'm going to read this out loud, just to everybody, uh, a declaration that I am not taking this thing. Absolutely not. I hereby declare an oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, well, I guess that would include the Prince of Peace, uh, potentate, state, or sovereignty, well, God was sovereign, uh, of whom which, of whom or which, I have hereforto have seen or have been subject or citizen, that I will support and defend 
the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith, faith is synonymous with trust, and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by the law. What law? Their law. That I will perform non-combatant services in the armed forces of the United States when required by the law. Again, their law. Who makes that up? They do whenever they want. So basically, you're owned, and if anybody that's been in the military already knows, you're property of the state. Same as if you're a, uh, a prisoner in a jail cell. You're a property of the state. They own you. Okay? Slavery, again. That I will perform work of, a na- of national importance under civilian direction when required by law, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or, or purpose of evasion, so help me God. Interesting. And that they put that at the end after they just told you at the beginning that basically you got to renounce God in order to uh, become a citizen of the state or the United States. Okay, can we put that on, uh, on mute, please? All right. Thank you. Um, but one of the things that was very interesting here, too, is the regulations say, and then this is on their uh, you know, Department of State's website, that so help me God in the oath or in the, yeah, in the declaration, I should say, because you're creating a declaration, you are claiming... Uh, you're declaring the trust. You even said so in this in this oath, okay? That uh, that you will bear true trust and allegiance, or faith and allegiance to the United States of America. You claim, you created the trust, okay, through that declaration, okay? So regulations in there say, "So help me God" is optional, okay. It also has modifications that if someone has a religious objection to bearing arms or non-combative service, they can leave that part out. So again, uh, they're not the you know the state is not sovereign because again they're even pointing to God. Um, they swear on the Bible, which if they'd open it, they would uh, see very clearly that it says not to take an oath. By anything in heaven or anything on earth. But they do recognize it in the courtroom. They do recognize it in the courtroom. Okay, and again, the state believes that they are sovereign, the supreme ruler possessing supreme or ultimate power. That's sovereign. Okay? Last I checked, man is not sovereign over anything else other than themselves. Not over each other. Ephesians 2.19, so then you are no longer foreigners or strangers. On the contrary, you are fellow, fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's family. So, 
when when you become a citizen, especially if you're going through the naturalization process, you weren't born here. Uh, and again, we go back earlier that uh, the uh, Article One is basically says that uh, that you're either uh, let me see here, go back to it. Okay. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction or authority thereof are citizens, okay, and subject. So you're not necessarily subject just for being born here, okay? You're subject if you created a contracts across the board with this government. If you entered into these trusts, you are under their rules. Uh, I choose to be under God's rules. That's my choice. And I live in that trust under a totally separate, uh, and my citizenship is in heaven. Uh, So my rules come from heaven. Their rules come from whoever they decide is going to make them uh, as they so choose. Okay, they change, they're arbitrary, um, you know, and, you know, the scribbles of, of criminal politicians throughout the ages, the opinions of men, okay? And I'm not saying that, you know, people don't think that way about the Bible. I'm saying that I choose to do it, to use it um, because not only uh, do I serve it, but it serves me. If I have to deal with the, with the state in any way, shape, or form, uh, I am under a different indenture. I am not under the indenture of the Constitution. That oath is the promise, is the declaration of trust. And if you declare that you're a citizen, which any document you've probably ever signed, and I know there's a lot of smart folks on this, on this call that have been, in, you know, been studying this stuff for a very long time. I, I know uh, there's a lot of listeners out there as well. But when, you are, um, when you're born and, and they create the Enligus persona on your behalf and they walk you through all of those things, those are all trust documents. It's an assumed relationship. It's an assumed trust. Um, and we go through life, um, you know, adding to the, the dossier um, or the body of, <laughs> of, of the Enligus persona. Okay, it grows the same way, uh, you know, not quite the same way uh, that we grow. Uh, it grows by the amount of contracts that you sign, um, the amount of, of promises that you make in exchange for the benefits that are being provided by the state. And again, um, you have a choice. You have the choice of, who you, you know, who are you going to serve? You can't serve two masters. Okay, you're going to hate the one and love the other, or it's, it's, it, it just is not, uh, you know, again, this is why I don't like to, to mix remedies or commingle uh, what, what people call remedies, okay, in, in, in law. Because, again, you, you're double-minded. Again, something that Linda had spoken about uh, a few weeks ago. Okay, if 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 you walk in and you don't know who you are, what authority you're walking in, okay, uh, citizenship. If I have citizenship in heaven and I'm an emissary or or a, a, an ambassador, right? 
from heaven, that's diplomatic position. And what are, you know, same thing here. Diplomatic positions get diplomatic immunity. They get held or sent back to wherever to their laws, and they're tried by their own laws. Doesn't say, it doesn't say that we're, we're not held responsible for our actions, but we are held accountable to the, the laws that we subject ourselves to. And we can choose to subject ourselves to, you know, the ever-changing millions and millions of opinions that are out there, or we can choose to um, manage our own affairs and, and uh, the things that God entrusts to us so that, uh, you know, and be citizen of heaven, it's a much freer path. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so they they require you to declare this, okay? It's a declaration and an oath, okay? And the declaration is a formal or explicit statement or announcement. <laughs> so it can be done right there in the courtroom. Right there in the courtroom. Uh now, there's a couple of words here I want to get into from their declaration. One was renounce, and the other one is abjure. To renounce something, you formally declare one's abandonment of a claim, right, or possession. Refuse or resign a right or position, especially as one as, one as an heir or trustee. I found that real interesting. Okay, that's to renounce. Formally declare one's abandonment of a claim, right, or possession. Refuse or resign a right or position, especially one as an heir or a trustee. Okay, uh, I find it very interesting because, again, you're dealing with the, the public trust is a trust. Okay, and there's lots of fraud there uh, within it, okay, because it's forced on you, unlike what they say, um, that it is voluntary action, okay, uh, once they have you there, they understand that you've created contracts, and they hold you to these contracts. Um, I don't want to get off the subject, but all right, so uh, to renounce and or abjure, or it says abnounce and abjure, in, in the oath that they put out there. So abjure is to renounce upon oath, upon an oath, to reject solemnly, to avoid or abstain from, to recant, to renege, to renounce, to repeal, to repudiate, to retract, to take back, to withdraw. <laughs> okay? So again, if you take that oath of citizenship, for the U.S. if you were being naturalized, okay, or if you set up a corporation, because it's basically what a corporation is. It's a naturalized person. It's a legal fiction. Um, then you have to renounce upon oath and reject solemnly to avoid or abstain from, recant, renege, renounce, repeal, repudiate, retract, take back your oath and withdraw from any other alliance or allegiances, okay, to any other sovereign. And I would, uh, I, it's a replacing of God over you. 
okay? And you do it voluntarily and willingly, and, uh, you know, there is a way that's much easier uh, to follow God's law. At least there you've got free will, and God's going to be your judge, not, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a trial by sinner, okay? I was, at, uh, I was sitting in a court one time, and uh, the judge turns around. There's this old guy. I felt real bad for him, um, and he'd gotten a ticket, and he was almost in tears. And this obnoxious judge turns around and goes, I don't know what you're crying for. I get tickets all the time. But she's the judge. So, again, you're being judged by people that, that are, are not righteous enough to do the job. Okay? All right. So becoming or being a U.S. citizen or a, a citizen of any government of the world voids your citizenship in heaven and vice versa. Becoming a citizen of heaven voids a duty and allegiance to the government of or any government of the world. Again, all these governments of the world are built on a trust, a, a deceptive one. So when you do go into the courtroom, if I go into the courtroom, I bring my Bible and the birth certificate with me, okay? The Bible is my trust, okay, of which I am a trustee. I am contractually bound. It is a covenant, it is a contract, and I'm contractually bound to be the trustee or uh, steward over the things that God entrusts to me. My declaration, okay, is to God and, and to his son. And that's, you know, that is my declaration in the courtroom. I'm now bound to a totally different law, and I am a foreigner as it pertains to the Constitution and the statutes and the codes and all the other petty garbage that they extort you for. And again, this isn't a license to, to go out and break laws or be a criminal. It's, you know, it's being responsible for your own, uh, your own actions, your own deeds, your own affairs, and, and, and the things that you've been entrusted with. And you can decide how you want to do that. Do you want to entrust everything to the government, register everything to the government, follow everything they say, uh, that they can change at will uh, whenever they want, including the guy on the side of the road that's, they're going to throw you in a cage if you don't tell them who you are, okay, or any other thing, okay? And uh, I'm going to read something from the uh, – this is actually from there. What are the benefits and, and responsibilities of citizenship? And it's a short little document, but this is what you're going to do. So here are the benefits of citizenship. The Constitution and laws of the United States give many rights to both citizens and non-citizens living in the United States. However, some rights are only for citizens, such as voting, yippee, bringing family members to the United States. You do not need to, have to be a citizen to do that. Obtaining citizenship for children born abroad. Well, anybody could do that, okay? Obtaining citizenship. In other words, uh, you're, you're, you're becoming a uh, national debt. Uh, you are the asset that uh, you are claiming, okay, that you're going to subject yourself to, okay? The only time you're subject to any other human being uh, or, or their rules, okay, 
is, is when you do it contractually. Otherwise, it's straight-out slavery. So, again, if they're claiming that this is you and you have to do this and, you know, and you're this, this elitist persona and you go, yep, that's me, well, you just agreed to be a surety, okay, for something that's not you, something they created and have authority over, okay? And when you're going in to become a citizen by naturalization, you're basically uh, turning over <laughs> uh, yourselves to be subjected to the governing body. You don't need you don't need to do that when you come here. <laughs> Traveling with a U.S. passport so it allows you to get assistance from the government when outside the United States. Okay. Becoming eligible for federal jobs, becoming an elected official, showing your patriotism <laughs> is a way to demonstrate your commitment to your new country. The above list does not include all the benefits of citizenship, only some of the more important ones. Those are all important. Yeah. Which are every single one of those is a sign of your subjection. To become responsibilities, to become a U.S. citizen, you must take an oath of allegiance. We read it. Okay? The oath includes several promises you make when you become a U.S. citizen, including promises to give up all prior allegiance to any other nation or sovereignty. Well, I guess every other or any other would include God. You're putting them over God in your life. You're serving an idol. Swear allegiance to the United States. Support and defend the Constitution, the trust, and the laws that are within that, or the bylaws of that trust of the United States. And serve the country when required. Serve when required. Well, a servant, right, would be considered a slave. Okay, military service. You're a slave, property of the U.S. government. So a citizen is property of the U.S. government. U.S. citizens have many responsibilities other than the ones mentioned in the oath. Citizens have a responsibility to participate in the political process by registering and voting in elections. Serving on a jury is another responsibility of citizenship. <laughs> Excuse me. Finally, America becomes stronger when all of its citizens respect the different opinions, cultures, ethnic groups, and religions found in this country. Tolerance for differences is also a responsibility of citizenship. When you decide to become a U.S. citizen, you should be will willing to fulfill the responsibilities of citizenship. We hope you will honor and respect the freedoms and opportunities citizenship gives you. Sounds like somebody's selling you something. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is in their pamphlet for becoming a citizen. At the same time, we hope you become an active member of your community. It is by participating in your community that you truly become an American. And that's their, one of the benefits and responsibilities of citizenship uh, from the state. And, uh, becoming a citizen. So you're giving up uh, your, your allegiance to 
any other sovereign, any other sovereign other than them, and you're putting the government or its agents, because government is a legal fiction, okay? There is no such thing in reality. It is a group of individuals acting as if. And when they're acting as if, they're acting as if they're God over you. They, make, they become the judge, and they become the lawmaker. Well, my Bible, uh, James 4.12, there's only one lawmaker and one judge. Who are you to judge your neighbor? So you cannot serve two masters. You either hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, this one said, money, mammon, commerce, okay, which is the law of contracts. Can't serve under those laws, under those contracts. And another maxim of law is that the law arises from the contract. So when I bring my Bible into the courtroom, uh, it's a contract that I'm bound to, and therefore the laws that pertain to me are all in there. None of them are in the millions of little arbitrary scribbles of politicians. Not a single one. And again, citizenship is, an, is another way, again, to separate yourself by declaration in any courtroom. And I'm going to open it up. That's, what I, that's all I got for the night, so I am going to open up to any questions. Any comments? Anybody have any legal issues they'd like to discuss or have something to say on the topic? Okay. Who's this? Uh, this is Robert. Hey, Robert. How are you? All uh, right. Well, I got the issue to where uh, I was doing a Google search, and I was uh, I searched for some unclaimed funds, and and in the unclaimed funds, it was my grandmother. It was the estate of my grandmother, Belinda Simmons, which uh, and I did my research on it. You know, I contacted an insurance company, but I'm in the process to where they told me I have to become the administrator of the estates for the chief of financial office to investigate it when there was never no administrator of the estate. But then again, this insurance company, as I was doing it, my grandma was the beneficiary. She passed away in 99. My great-grandmother was the insurer. She passed away in 91. And they got letters sending out saying that the policy lapsed in 1988. And it turned up to a cash value of what 160 bucks. So they held on to this these 160 bucks from 1988 until 2013. They decided that they want to turn it over. You know, the beneficiary was never even got a chance to even see the policy or see what was going on. You know, because I got all the paperwork and they only said this all the paperwork that they had. So I was I was going to go out. I was going after the insurance company, but. Uh, what I was going to say. Yeah, but I have to become the administrator of the estate. I mean, okay. I've, do you know how to do that? Uh, not on self-help. I mean, I've been studying the law a little bit for the for the past, I will say, year. You know, I'm not too, I haven't been too deep in it, but within the last three, four months I have, you know. Well, it goes to you by air, for one. You just have mm -hmm. to prove, one, that, you know, that your grandmother passed away that you're, um, 
that your great-grandmother passed away, and you can get the public records of that, their death certificates. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I have, I have death certificates. I have the proof of the record, you know, but they just they told me I, at first the chief of administration, but I know they work together with the insurance company. The chief of financial office, first they told me I need letter authorizations from the left of the, her, her kids, which was my, which was my uh, three aunts and my father and my uncle. So I got authorization from them. They gave me a letter, and I emailed it to them. Now they're telling me, oh, no, I have to go and become the administrator of the estate before they can approach the insurance company. So, I well, just so they're trying to say to that, yeah, you don't need an attorney. You just needed to, um, you, you could have gone to the probate court and, and you know, made yourself the, the uh, executor of the estate. Yeah, I was, which would make you the administrator, and then you could, you know, have the money di- dispersed out to uh, to you. Yeah, but it's, I look at it like this: they're saying it's only one hundred and sixty-eight dollars. Which from two thousand, I mean, from nineteen eighty-eight to two thousand thirteen, you mean to tell me that's it? You guys are going to have to pay for every day or every hour? Well, you it's not just it's, it's it's not just from uh, eighty-eight to two thirteen. It's from eighty-eight to now. Mm-hmm. They still have it, so they're still in. They're still. No, no, they're, they're still holding. They're holding it in trust for you, and therefore, it's compound interest every time. You know, for every month that they have it, so roughly every ten years it doubles. So I mean, it's no, not going to be a ton of money. They turned it over to the state. They turned it over to the state in uh, 2013. Okay, so now the state. Now the state itself is holding it in trust, right? So, Because you, you found this on, uh, was it one of the state found money sites? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you basically, once you become the executor of the estate, you can make a claim to, you know, to, to the money owed. Yeah, but I'm going after the insurance company for their false practices and not, turning the money in on time and as i was reading and studied the uh the titles and every title it talks about you know operating in good faith and you know and that oh yeah insurance. yeah and it's you know, you can go after them for bad faith but you got to prove it and it's uh you know how do you know that they never re- you know reached out to you know the estate after your great grandmother died i got two because they only got two letters that they sent they sent out one in 88 that the policy went into lapse, and they sent one out in 1999. And that's all that they, they say that they had. And that's all. I mean, there's no way you're supposed to keep someone's money for 25 years. And then you mean to tell me there was no kind of system that you they could have done to Rand to find out if this person passed away or anything? By their policies and regulations, they're supposed to do that, what, every audit? Every time they have an audit, go through and see what is what? There's no reason you were supposed to have that for that long. And the well, it's still on that it's, a, it's a deposit on their books. It's a, it's an asset entrusted to them on their books. It's on their books. I mean, and they they were holding it in trust for whatever beneficiary. Um, you know, if if um, they never made a disbursement to any of the beneficiaries, do you have a copy of the actual policy? All of what they gave me. They didn't have. See, so they gave you what the policy, a copy of the original policy. 
Yep, that she got two units. They said that that's all they have. I didn't get the full. It wasn't in disclosure of everything, what what she was paying for for the unit. They didn't give me what the coverage was. They didn't give me under it. What was the death benefit? It doesn't say. It don't say what the death benefit was. They just gave me bits and pieces pieces of the policy. See, as, as the executor, you should be able to get all of that information. Yeah. Once, once you go, getting, you know, again, if I were you, I would, I would just go into the probate court, file a, <clears throat> excuse me, file that you want to become the executor of your great grandmother's uh, estate, and your grandmother's estate, and that uh, you've got a letter, um, basically from all the other potential heirs, that. Uh, you know that they are picking you to uh, to administrate those estates, and yep. the judge will recognize you as the executor, um, which is the administrator over that estate, and you should be able to uh, sign executor. You have the judge's order, then you'll be able to go and and get whatever you need from the insurance company. Another thing, I was trying to locate, be able to locate where the trust is and what's in the trust. What trust? The trust that was being held on to, being that they was holding on to this money uh, after a certain amount of time, I would think it was right. turned was it, was it an insurance policy? Was it an insurance policy with a death benefit? Was it a trust account? What was no, it? Was just, it was an insurance policy with a death benefit. Well, then it was a whole then, life policy. Okay. Well, if it's a whole life policy, then and she paid it in in full, and it would continue on until she died or reached a certain age. Yeah, because it said it was. They sent out a letter saying that she reached her maturity age in 1999. That she's reached 100 years old, and that the money that she have that's paid up would accumulate interest. You mean to tell me you only it was only eight dollars interest for that long, really? <laughs> yeah. It's interest uh, interest alone, you know, again, uh compounding interest would at least have been, you know. And again, you got to look at the time value of money. I mean, if you're going to make a claim, you know, you got you know, money in 88 is worth a lot more than it is now. Mhm. Yeah, but uh they're supposed to by law you know, I can charge them each day that they held on to this that they wasn't supposed to. Right. If they stopped trying to, to find and you could show there was negligence there and prove it, then you may have a case. Oh, yeah, I can prove it. That's all the documents that they gave me, you know, I just went studying them and reading. Them and... Well, like I said, I if you like... want to get all of the information and get the executorship, you don't want to hire a lawyer to go do it. Go to the probate court yourself. Go to the clerk. And tell them that uh, you know that uh, that you are claiming to be the executor of your great grandmother and your grandmother's estate, and that here's the names of all the other potential beneficiaries, and they've chosen you. They'll give you the order that that ordering that you are now the executor, and that means you're the administrator over that estate. So you can go back to that insurance company with legal power from the court and, and demand whatever you need from them in the way of documentation on what's owed. Mm -hmm. 
the policy, whatever you need. Everybody you have to have a copy of the policy. They keep saying that's all the information they had, but I don't know. You can't. No, yeah, they had to have some more information than that. If they paid out on something, there had to be an original policy. No, I guess because the policy went into lapse, they used the money, the cash value that was accumulated, and they used it up as the uh, as the premiums that they uh, as far as the uh, dates that they missed, yeah. the premiums that they missed, they used it and they just used it up as a paid up policy. So why right. would you hold on? Why would you hold on well, to something for that up, long? If it was a paid up policy, how, what, how old was your great grandmother when she died? She was, she passed away at ninety nine, but they have. She she passed away at ninety one. I'm sorry, but they have they have documentation stating that she's that they have her still alive in nineteen ninety nine. Really? Yeah, they got documents saying, well, "Oh, this is a paid up policy. This you're you reached the maturity age of a hundred years old, and uh, the paid up policy would accumulate interest." And it'll be ready uh, so if that's the case, if that's the case, if it would have matured at a hundred and she died at ninety one. Then, then you guys should be entitled to whatever the death benefit in the policy was, mm-hmm. because the, 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 the money paid paid the premium. Mm-hmm. So they may have said, "Okay, well, you know, there's no more uh, money to pay the premiums," and then uh, they would have to take. You know, they may deduct that from the death benefit. But if she died before the maturity date on the on the uh, Insurance policy, you should be entitled, your family should be entitled to the full death benefit minus whatever premiums were missed. Plus interest for 25 years. For 25 years, yeah, that's it's only like a maybe $2 million or something like that, but still. Well, whatever it is, it is. But, uh, yeah, but you I'm guys looking at the principle of it. My thing is the principle. There's no telling what. That that money could have done for them if they would have reached out and tried to uh, find someone. You know, I bet you if we owe sure. them some money, they would find us. Oh, I bet. <laughs> you know that's true. But again, you know, I, you know, it's it's the past is the past. You have something there that that uh, it should be an enforceable contract. You have a way to go in and and uh, you know get the authority to go in and 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 become the executor there and at least see what's there. Uh, going after and suing the insurance company is a different matter, but there is something there, uh, you know, and, and uh, that alone should be, you know, uh, your, your family's entitled to it. It was left to you, so. Yeah, I was they're, they're just saying with the course, there's only 168 there with the estate. But also my, grand, my great-grandmother on her death certificate, it said that she owned the home. Where's this owned home? Where's this this property? To our knowledge, it was like we she didn't own any home, but on the deficit give it to certificate it says she's owned a home. So where is this home? So that was five years old when she passed. You know, and I remember her like yesterday. So Well, again, I mean if she owned a home you should be able to look through the, the you know, the county records where she was and see if her name was on a deed somewhere. May have some property sitting there. That's all part of uh, an executive's, you know, the executor's duty is to take, you know, an inventory of what the estate was, being that it's uh, 
you know, going back a little bit, you got to do some investigation and, and uh, you know, find the assets. Where did they go? Who's got them now? How did they get them? Oh, trust me, that's what I was doing. Hey, what's the re- what's the registrar? Registrar. Depends on what you're talking about. On the death certificate, the chief deputy registrar. That's the that's the uh, human resources uh, department there. Vital statistics. They they're the ones that registered the death. That's the one who was the the uh, one in charge, the registrar for that state, and they sign off on the death certificate. See, I read something different. What it was. Well, again, it could mean anything. It could be, you know, I mean, the Department of Motor Vehicles has a registrar. Schools have a registrar. You know, it's a, it's a place where you're registering things or unregistering things. It's like the pawn shop. <laughs> yeah. Right? If there's a death or a birth, that's where it all starts. Vital statistics. Anyway, did you have another question? Did that answer your question? No, I never, and, and I wanted to know, you know, I got my UCC like last week. I got my from Florida office, but when I went in there, they was, they was acting weird like nobody. The lady was shaking when she gave it to me like she wasn't supposed to give it out. And uh, what was as it? I was going over it, as I was going over it on my, do you do the UCC one process or no? You just claim your nationality? I don't claim anything from the system. Uniform Commercial Code is uh, commerce. You can't serve God in commerce. That's you know people choose to, but I don't. So, uh, and I, yeah, and I don't I, believe in, in the remedies. Yeah, but I kind of believe that if you already know who you are and what you are, you shouldn't have to go and claim anything. You know, that was my. That's what I wanted to tell you. You know. I respect you or not because some people say, do you UCC one? But I don't go by what other people say. I just go by what, you know, when you're chosen and you, you're, you're, you, uh, you, don't, have to, you don't have to ask permission on this planet to live here. And anyone who no. claims so is a meddler into someone else's affairs. I don't care what kind of a badge or title you're bearing. You may as well be dressed as a clown or a pirate. Yeah. Because it does not yeah. matter to me. Uh, unless you have a legitimate claim that I've injured you in some way, shape, or form, then you have no business meddling in my affairs. Now, if we have an affair, if I, you know, ran over your mailbox and I didn't fix it, you can come in and, and, and make that claim, you know. Uh, if I run over your mailbox and I say, hey, I'm going to fix this up for you nice, it'll be better than before, you'll be back to, you know, uh, better than new. And there you go. And now we've just handled it privately. Okay. Yeah, that's so I don't need I don't need uh, fifteen politicians to tell me how to be responsible for my own actions. I manage my own affairs, and that's all any of us can do. <laughs> we don't have any right to manage the affairs of others unless there are our children, and we're teaching them to manage their affairs, because eventually they're going to move out and have things that they're entrusted with. Yeah. So it's just, for me, it's a much simpler way of dealing with the state. I don't have to. And nobody can make me. And when they try to make me, I just question, you know, 
uh, are you claiming that I am indentured to the state? Are you claiming that I'm entrusted to the state or that I'm owned by the state? Am I the state slave? Who made you God over me? I, mean, I could go on all day asking them, how, you know, where did you get your authority over me in, in a hundred different ways. The so and it's always the same thing. Well, it's always the same thing. It's authority. Authority is jurisdiction. And, and jurisdiction uh, was just explained in citizenship. You give them, you subject yourself to their authority, to their jurisdiction, when you become a citizen. And if you claim to be, I don't care if it's a state citizen or a national or a state, you know, or a, a U.S. citizen, granted, each one of those is a different status with less and less rights, okay? Um, but, and, and, and those rights change like underwear of politicians, okay? They're arbitrary, and they change all the time. Right now, I mean, look, look at this past week, <laughs> you know, uh, Trump came, right? Trump made a whole bunch of scribbles on paper, and Biden came in and, and made new scribbles and wiped out the old ones. It's arbitrary. It's garbage. Can't count on it. <laughs> I, I prefer something I can count on, and I choose to live that way. So when they try to bring me into their, into their fictional world of, of, of legal fiction, I stay private and stay under my own indenture and tied to my indenture contractually, which they cannot violate. Not only can they not violate it, everything about me is a religious question. <laughs> so we're not dealing with the traffic court now. Uh, their rules state that if there's a question of religion brought up, now it's got to go to the federal level, right to the attorney general's office. So... Yeah. Which, which little judge wants to go in front of the federal court now or try to explain that, uh, you know, they're trying to force me to register my property, which that registration goes to fund the police department, which just in this little area here has killed 40 people in the last 10 years. So I'm not, I'm not interested in supporting them. And they have to accommodate me because it's not unreasonable. And that's what their rules say. Oh, trust me, even, I know. Even, I've, even, I've even in the oath, there are exemptions in, in, this, in, their, in their citizenship oath. There's exemptions. Those exemptions are religious ones. I'm not going to go to war for you. I'm not going to, uh, you know, help out your, you go kill people. Right? It's against my religion. It's against my beliefs. Okay. So anything they ask, you want me to pay taxes, you want me to get, uh, ask you permission, uh, you know, show me where I have to do that in my rules because I'm not under yours. Just not. And my own declaration right then and there is a declaration of my citizenship, which literally wipes out theirs because all you had to do to get theirs was was. Make a declaration of your allegiance. Boom. There goes their jurisdiction right out the window. Yeah, and I love shit. I wish I would have known that for. Shoot, I don't gave him so much time in the prison system, man. I got sent to prison. Well, well, everybody does. 
Everybody does. No. Because it is. No, it's no. an open-air no, prison, I know this. the rest of it. No, I'm saying an actual prison. I'm, I'm not talking about... No, the I get it. I get it. I get it. And again, you know, most of the folks in there are in there because they don't know and, you know, they don't know who they are and what authority they walk in. And, and they gave... They gave their, you know, they entrusted their life to some liar who most likely pled them out because about 90, a little over 90% of cases are pled out. And if you're going to plea, you've already committed perjury because you're pleading to something that they didn't even have evidence on enough to, you know, to charge you with it in the first place. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you were speeding. Well, that'll give you, you know, that'll give you points on your license. You get demerits, just like little, you know, like in school. You don't get your stars for today. You get some taken away. <laughs> and, and then what? You know, well, we don't want you to, we don't want your insurance to go up that we mandate that you have to protect us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to say, uh, Failure to obey a traffic device, which you didn't do at all. But now they're going to tell you to lie. By lying is the only way you're going to get out of that other ticket. They're asking you to deceive the court and to be deceptive. Make you commit perjury right there on the record. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're inducing it. They're 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 threatening you with jail or whatever else, okay? In uh, threats of force, threats of jail, threats of fines. But you know, we're we're nice people here. We don't want to extort you too bad. I mean, it's the same fine, but it, at least your insurance won't go up. Just lie about it and say you did this instead. <laughs> and that's your average plea deal right there. Or you're going to go to jail for, you know, go to jail for 10 years instead of life. Well, if they could have got you for life, then then what are they worried about and why would they make you an offer to begin with? They could prove. Well, they don't want to go to trial because in a trial they have facts or supposed to, (laughs) especially where there's a victim. But, uh, again, it's it's something that uh, it's illegitimate to begin with, so I choose not to partake. Yeah. Why argue with them, you know? Why argue over what politicians said what today, you know? Because that's what it comes down to. Well, this politician said that, you know, you can't walk on that side of the street on a Wednesday, so now you have to pay us. <laughs> Under what law? Their laws. Whatever it is, whatever one they make up that day. It's arbitrary. It doesn't matter. And there is no duty or or allegiance because they have no duty uh, to protect you. So just just that fact, and that it's been shown several times by the Supreme Court that they have no duty to protect, well, then you have no duty to obey. There is no citizenship at all there. Even that's deceptive. 
Because if you can approve, now you say, okay, you're claiming I'm, I'm a citizen and subject to your rules. Well, if I'm a citizen and subject to your rules, then, then there's got to be an oath or a record, uh, some contract that I sign or I'm bound to, or I'm your slave, just because you say so, the same way you make your money, by decree. They have to prove that matrix, licenses, and all the other stuff that, that creates that body uh, uh, for your enlegious persona. Anyway, do we have any other questions? Mm, no, that's it. All right, well, thanks for sharing, Robert. All right, thank you. Does anybody else have any? Yeah, does anybody else have any questions or comments or legal issue you're trying to deal with? Nobody. Am I the only one on the line? <laughs> no, we got a bunch of people on here. Lots of people. We got plenty of time, guys. I'll stay on here for the next two hours and and uh, talk about any topics you want. Um, I have a question. Sure. Who's this? Katie from Maryland. Hi, Katie. How are you? Fine, thanks. Um, is that your title? You mentioned ambassador. Is is that a title you go by? I would be a title I would go by. Yes. And um, do you get like a um, official ID or anything, uh, a diplomatic uh, ID? Well, um, I actually, it's funny you say that. I created a, a, some, a passport and some other things um, that refer to, uh, that would identify me as a citizen of heaven. Um, but again, in, in any place that it would matter, going into a courtroom, if, what, if, if that's what you're asking, I bring my Bible with me. I bring my indenture. I bring my laws with me. Um, if, if I need to reference that, you know, that I am an ambassador to, you know, a lost, you know, a lost world, uh, I can prove that in my indenture, and the indenture is recognized um, by, the, by the United States of America and, and most most countries. Mm-hmm. Okay. As the, as the word of God. And it would go the same for, you know, I mean, it would be similar if you're a Buddhist or, a, you know, or, or a Taoist or, you know, any other religion. If, if you um, recognize God in any way, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, God is over you, not the government, not man, not your brother or sister. Okay. Yeah. So, and again, that's the message. That's the good news. <laughs> you know, it really is. That is the good news. You're free from all of this. You don't have to entangle yourself with the world system. And it really does work in a courtroom. Um, again, I've been studying law for over 30 years. Um, <laughs> the very first thing in any court has to, the court has to have jurisdiction in order to hear a case. Where do they get jurisdiction? Who do they have jurisdiction over? The public. What is the public from? Citizens. Okay? Who are subject to the laws of the United States? That's it. Those who, you know, take an oath to work there. Okay? Yeah. They're, they're trustees. 
I'm not in that trust. If anything, I'm, I, I have a beneficial interest in it. I do have a beneficial interest in that trust should I choose to use the benefits. But I have no fiduciary or legal responsibilities to that trust at all. But do you even, um, you can't handle your court affairs privately through the mail? Like you still have to show up in the flesh? Um, well, again, it all depends on, 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 you know, what you're comfortable with. I have no problem walking into a courtroom and, you know, dealing with, with uh, these people that act as if they're God over me. No problem at all. But uh, it, it scares the hell out of some people because they're not used to it. They're, they're used to looking at these people as if they have authority over them. Okay? Yeah. Um, they're, they're used to being told that you have to follow their rules. It's just the way that it is. And it's not the way that it is. It's just been represented, or I should say misrepresented that way for all of our lives. Like Pavlov's dog. You know, I pledge allegiance every single day. So what do you believe? Well, that you are, you know, that you're a, a citizen of the United States. You signed it on, on your passport and your licenses and, you know, your, for your kid's school, all of those things. Those are contracts, covenants, trusts <laughs> that you were, you know, given, in, you know, through deception. It wasn't all explained to you. None of us. None of us. We all believed it was one thing, and yet it's another. <laughs> That's deception. It's misrepresentation of fact. Yeah. Here's an example. You have churches that are chartered by the government. They they pay. They sign up as a corporation under government. Well, what do they do? They just make government their god. Yep. They pay taxes, or they would be. They would if the government didn't so graciously exempt them from it. We just want you registered, so you have to follow our rules. They could care less about the tax money. They wanted to be put above God <laughs> in, 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 the, in these church goers' eyes. God doesn't need government's permission. It's a higher authority, and they do recognize it in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. They go by the God's law. Well, they have to. They have to. I mean, what are they, what are they making you swear on? Right? Swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you who? Government? No. God. But then they have you swear on the Bible. Swear on the word. In other words, you're going to put your hand on and swear an oath that you can't keep. Because nobody knows the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I do. It's only, you know, Yeshua is the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. So if you want me to tell you the whole truth, Truth is Yeshua. There you go. Jesus, whatever you want to call it. That's the only truth I know. In a courtroom, especially when I'm putting my hand on that book. That's my indenture. <laughs> I'm going to open it up. I'm not just going to put my hand on it. That's the last thing they want you to do. Yeah. They don't want you to mix religion and state. 
And that's why it's such an issue. When you bring up uh, a religious question in the courtroom, it goes right to the top of the chain, right up to the Attorney General of the United States office, well, his assistant. But it goes right up to the top because it's something they can't fool around with. Mm-hmm. And you can get an accommodation for your beliefs on anything, anything as long as it's within your own indenture. Within your beliefs. So you can get them to accommodate you however you need to, including a diplomatic immunity. And, and yes, so when you asked if I'm an ambassador, that's what the Bible says, so I guess I can claim that title. Mm-hmm. Right? An ambassador is a, uh, a dignitary. You're there on a peaceful mission. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Just accommodate me. I'm not asking you to go out of your way to help me do anything. Just accommodate me being here. That's it. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, I hope I answered your question. Yes. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Does anybody else have any questions? Comments? Does not have to be on the topic tonight. Is that somebody who's going to say something there? Hey, what persuades you to do this? What's that? What What persuaded you, what drove you into having the phone conversations on Sundays and answering questions on legal matter or issues? Huh. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, I've been doing this for a very long time and uh, actually didn't want to. Um, <laughs> and I didn't want to at all. Uh, but it's been a huge part of my life for so long. I don't want to take the info to the grave and I figured uh, by starting these calls and recording them, I can get this all out of my system, out of my head, uh, help as many people as I can with it, and, you know, let the information to others to take to the next level. Uh, I don't plan on doing this forever, for sure. Um, <laughs> when I started, I, didn't, I was planning on maybe three years, and then... Uh, you know, and teaching some folks how, you know, how to do this and, and, and uh, you know, leave it to them to, to bring it on to the next, you know, people that, that, that are looking for it. But uh, what brought me into the law was uh, I've seen a lot of corruption growing up, and uh, I saw my brother set up by the chief of police and his grandson, and... Um, I grew up around uh, poker rooms that my father owned in New York that uh, you could walk in and see the head of the mob and the mayor and the chief of police all playing cards and drinking at the same table discussing garbage contracts. So, uh, you know, I grew up very, you know, uh, uh, seeing all of this corruption and, and, you know, questioning what, what you've been told and, I've literally been at this for, geez, 80, 88, 89. 
So it's been a long time, a long time, over 30 years. And uh, I just started studying anything I could find with the law, anything and everything that had to do with the law. And I almost went to law school. I decided that I was going to uh, to learn it and uh, so that I would not be taken advantage of the same way that uh, my brother and, and uh, you know, his lawyer took advantage of him and the courts, the system. And that's what got me going into this. So how long have you been doing it now? 32, almost 33 years. Own conversation? Oh, the conversation's a year and a half. About a year and a half. There's an archive. I'm happy to get you a link to that. Um, if you shoot me an email, my email address is the letter A, free man in Babylon at gmail.com. A, three man. No, A, free, F-R-E-E-M-A-N. Oh, yep. In Babylon at gmail.com. If anybody wants a link to the uh, to the archives on on Anchor, I'm happy to send that. Got the last uh, three seasons on there, and um, or you can go to the website. So my website, you can sign up there. It's bulletproofsolutions.org. Well, I'm getting so much feedback. I think I looked up that before. Yeah. Podcasts are on there as well, as well as a bunch of other stuff. I've got a huge library on there. I keep adding to it. I've added probably 150, almost 200 books in the last month. And they're all download. Most of them are downloadable to a PDF, so you're getting... Uh, books covering all different topics of law. Um, I just added a uh, church and state section. Um, there's a big constitutional section, treatises, all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, but, yeah, that's at bulletproofsolutions.org. You can reach out to me there as well. And uh, If you do sign up as a member, you get a... Some, consultation you can sign up for a consultation on the site and just make an appointment and I'm happy to talk to you. So is there anybody else that had any questions or comments or legal topics they wanted to discuss? Hey Dave Daniel here. Hey Daniel. I was wondering if you were gonna yeah. jump on there. <laughs> I did. I had I had absolutely one of those moments that seemed to uh I'd like to avoid. I for some reason got your hour mixed up with my hour, even though I start at six thirty on Thursdays and I jumped on I was that ding at exactly six thirty. I thought I was gonna be right on time. <laughs> but uh anyway, good call. I I'd love to hear the uh the recording from the beginning. I'm sure those that are on since the beginning are are enthralled. Um, but uh, so I was curious at, um, about the issue that you described about going into a probate court, and you it sounded like you said you should be able to do this. Well, I was wondering if this was like something you've seen somebody do, or it's theoretically. No, no, you can, no, no, you can absolutely do that. Um, 
I did this with a client um, a couple of years back for his family home. Uh, he had two brothers. Uh, both of them tried to stop him from becoming the executor. He still became the executor of his sister's estate. And uh, so basically, you're basically going, because it's it was never probated out, you, the, uh, his grandmother and great-grandmother's estates, they would still be considered in probate, especially if he found um, estate property. So, in, and, and basically, the only thing is, he said that's what he would basically tell the probate court is, uh, I need to open this probate case. Don't know. Um, and actually, you may want to look up their names at the probate court because there's probably a, a case number for both of them. Right. Okay. Yeah. So why I'm just I'm I'm exploring this. I years ago uh, had a situation that I had to take care of my mother, and the probate court was involved. And it's very interesting because <clears throat> the probate would seem to get their jurisdiction because an estate to which that they have an interest is already on the books there. And I say they, yes. meaning uh, the administrators. Yes, the state. Yes. Uh, Right, so they have an interest in that estate. That's why it needs to be probated there because there's some contractual interest, either through an insurance policy that is run by a corporate entity of the state subject to the rules, benefits, immunities, privileges, um, contractual right. terms, the, the and obligations. The insurance, so the, the corporate, insurance company what? The insurance company is under that jurisdiction. And that's why right. he would have to go through there to get access because of their well, interest. It is interesting because the insurance, and I know I'm getting kind of deep here, but the insurance would be a maritime uh, type of claim and or um, the disbursement, which would mean that it, the probate court then would operate as unto vessels as well, and which is why we see um, the all caps on tombstones, just making a correlation for people's minds. Yep. To, to connect Absolutely. the uh, right, right, the syllogism there. It's, if this and yeah, that, then there for that. If it's not probated, it's still out considered lost and out to sea. Okay, now, so what I was going to ask you, so you you had firsthand experience that you can go in there without having a lawyer and without having formal forms and 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 get an appointment of being a executor are, are you you said you've seen this done or you know how it's done yes that i've done it for someone else okay. yes but um, did you and use again, form? And we had, yeah and we had um you know we had um adversarial claims including the county administrator who tried to say that he you know that tried to this um to have him uh dislodged from that position was the county administrator attempting to be the executor? Sure was. That is that in itself is revelatory. How would the county administrator get an a agency or get an interest in the case if it wasn't that there was an actual, not just a presumed interest that the county administrator had in the case? Do you see where I'm going with that? County, every county has a county administrator, and that county administrator's job is to administrate over uh, probate cases where nobody has claimed to be executor. 
and they'll probate out the case, uh, probate out the thing. That's why I said there may have been, um, if nobody had stepped up, most likely a county administrator handled the probate and missed something. And that's why you can open see. it back up as an administrator. Or as the well, executive. that's the county e and the e state. Right. The county e counts, and an e right. state is a state. Yeah, county yeah. e, e yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. If you For look counter. up the county administrator and what their job is, it is to probate. You know, um, any estates that are out of, uh, you know, that are that are that have no will. And if and nobody shows up, of- exactly. Well, an estate without a will puts you in a probate, and then. Uh, somebody can um, apply to be the executor that is an heir or a you know beneficiary or has a beneficial interest in the estate. They can apply to be the executor. The so it's the, not a, you know, it's an appli- Sorry for interrupting. It's an application, not a declaration. In your correct, you're actually you're actually asking for this court's permission because they have some form of superior positioning in the equation being that you're dealing with in the state of the dead. Well, they're, yes, and, they're, and they currently have possession of the estate. Of the dead. Of the dead, right. They're the Lord of the dead. Which is why, yes, absolutely, and that's why they have, you know, they're, they're going to probate out the estate um, and, and claim to be the executor of the dead entity. Um, and, and it's a cottage industry. They do it for guardianships all the time. And it, okay, it so works that, very much the same way. It's pretty, it's, it's so getting the county's been the, been the executive this, this time because I called the county and they said that there was no, there's not, as a case, haven't been open on it. Well, then you can open one, being that, you know, you have proof of, of life, proof of death. Um, that, that you have evidence that there are still uh, assets in the, within the estate that need to be probated, and that uh, you know you've been uh, designated by all the other heirs to be the executor. And you may have a claim just sanguinis as nature by way of blood. Yes, absolutely. Say that again. Absolutely. Oh, I just used some fancy Latin words, but disregard my 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 um, tongue. Sorry for speaking in vulgar. No, what was the term you used? I like that. Just sanguinous. Oh. It's uh, by blood or by birth. Okay, okay. So if you made a so if you made a claim now, but then let me ask you this: if a case um, if someone passed without a will, and a case never was probated that it either was probated by the county administrator. How many years do they usually wait? Uh, they don't usually wait long, but, it, you know, I mean, with all the people that they probate over, it's, it, you know, uh, it's not uncommon that they, you know, it gets overlooked or they think that there's not much there and it's not worth the court's time. The only reason okay, they, now, tried so- to get, they tried to get my my client's uh, family house uh, and they had an interest because there was a tax lien. So the county administrator was in the same office as the tax collector. You know, they walk down the hall and go, hey, go check out this estate. (laughs) You know, this person died and and, uh, there's a house there. 
that doesn't owe anything other than the taxes. Well, the, the question I was asking, though, when, you, when they open up the case for probate, that opens up to, for, for creditors, too, to come into these. Sure, it does. It does. Um, and again, uh, if you open it up in probate, set up, a, set up a trust between you and your family members who are also heirs or beneficiaries, set up a private trust, you become the trustee privately, then you can go in and make your claim for subject matter jurisdiction, and you can administrate it privately. Instead of making an application, you're making a claim. It sounded like the else. previous. Right. Yeah. like in the previous fellow's situation. I'm, I'm learning from it. Uh, I've got some thoughts and ideas about the situation I'm involved in that I'm helping, and uh, one of the House of Prayer members. And um, but it sounds like in the previous gentleman's situation, there might even be an entire life insurance policy that's left un, yeah. um, uh, you know, that that uh, some sort of. Undistributed and and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and if that's not dealt with, I know they also have lost to a sheet back to the um, uh, they usually a sheet back to the state uh, to the state on life insurance policies that I've seen. And yes, so it would be in the state states on claim for less than eighty-eight, but they still held on to the cash out. Well, they say well, that, it, that, that the uh, premiums lapsed, and that's all. The policy was still in effect because it was a whole life policy, and they didn't try to give the money out until she would have been 100, but she'd already passed. So they never handed yeah. out the death benefit. So they were still under contract in, in 90, you know, when, when she was 91. So there should be a death benefit there. I, w I would definitely look into it because it sounds to me that there would be. And, and again... Well, they tell uh, me it's only 168 at the court. Right, but that's what was turned over was just what they, they claimed was in the policy, not the death benefit. And if they were under a contractual obligation, that can be made uh, a, a, an asset of the estate. So how would I determine that if, uh, if the policy was uh, the death benefit was still open? Well, if you become the executor or you go about it by setting up a private trust and being the trustee over the estate, you can, you can uh, because the beneficiaries, you have the permission of all the beneficiaries, and you would be one uh, by blood, you guys can establish a trust on her behalf Okay, even though she's passed, and you know, for any assets that you can find that pass down from from what would have been her estate, especially if they weren't, if probate wasn't done correctly, then uh, and and obviously it wasn't done correctly because nobody looked into that asset of that insurance policy. So even if there was a county administrator and they went through a probate process they did not find all the assets of the estate. So it's still there and needs to be probated. So again, you can either make a claim as the trustee of, of an estate that is uh, in her name. You can name your private estate anything you want. <laughs> you know, you can name it after your, gra you know, your grandmother, your great-grandmother. 
and uh, again, uh, administrate it that way. You've already got permission from all of the beneficiaries to be entrusted with the task of finding any assets. So that that would give you a claim rather than applying or begging for their permission, which is always a more powerful uh, position to be in. Yeah, so that's what's interesting. Can I add, can I add to that? Sure. Yeah, Dave, um, well, I'm just thinking about this, especially since you're dealing with uh, something that might have a national slash or federal um, controlled or regulated commercial policy such as a life insurance or a benefit from the um, uh, these things that are that are that are actually these contracts that are created with the federal interest or under federal law. You've got, uh, and I know that we don't like to talk about commerce on here, but but uh, this oh, is um, something like this. We huh? we have to deal with we deal with stuff in commerce all the time. Just because right. I'm, I'm I'm not of the state or the system doesn't mean I don't have to operate in it. But I administrate well, my <laughs> own affairs while I'm there. I do it. I would do it the second way that I had mentioned through my trust and go in with subject matter jurisdiction over that asset as opposed to going in and begging their permission to to manage my my grandmother's assets you know which when i say my grandmother that also implies that it's mine not theirs so again that becomes my responsibility or you know something that was entrusted to me by birthright all right, so what I was going to share, Dave, was Rule 17A of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, if that's okay to read such on your on your podcast. Sure. Of course. So this is called the Plaintiff and Defendant, and it's talking about capacity, and then, and then it's uh, um, Plaintiff and Defendant, uh, semicolon capacity, and then semicolon public officers. And so it's uh, 17A is a, a real party in interest, and... 17B is something completely different. Um, that's uh, that's for someone who's not acting in a representative capacity. You might have heard 17B spoken before, but 17A states that an action must be prosecuted in name of the real party in interest. The following may sue in their own names without joining the person for whose benefit the action is brought. An executor may sue in their own names. An administrator may sue in their own names. A guardian may sue in their own names. A bailey may sue in their own names. A trustee of an express trust may sue in their own names. And a party to whom or in whom a, whose name a contract has been made for another's benefit or a party authorized by statute. All those groups of people may sue in their own names without joining the person for whom the benefit the action is brought. So if you had to make a claim against an insurance policy for uh, for and you had to um, do a if you had an appointment as an executor from one of these probate courts I would imagine although I haven't personally done it this way but I can see the logistics and the mechanics of it that in your own name um, you have a right to demand the a forensic examination of the of the accounts uh, all bearing the name of the um, um, the deceased, yes. The, the name of the deceased on it. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and that how you can absolutely do. Yeah, absolutely. 
And again, you can either go in and apply, or you can go in in a position of power as the trustee by by way of what you just said. Sue in your own name on behalf of the estate of and trustee of an express trust. Correct. You can a, tr- a trustee of an express trust may sue in their own names without joining the person for whom whose benefit the action is brought. So um, all of, all of I, those positions that you mentioned, Daniel, trustee, bailer, all of those are positions of trust. Every single one of them. Right. I see that, and I. I, I know, and I'm, I'm trying not to be long-winded on your show, but, I mean, fair, turnabout is fair no, play from, from my third for Thursday night. For anyone that joined us, you, you, you call. You can floor as long as you want, man, and you know that. <laughs> I'm just going just to remind the listening audience of a real cool case that um, I was following a number of years ago that I had vetted to, uh, at least to the Supreme Court level, and it was TV shows about it, and it was called... Um, I believe it's Bagley versus Bagley, and uh, from memory, and and you know, I know you might have some real um, case nerds on here that would say he didn't exactly tell it right. I'm not doing it intentionally. I tend not to deceive, so I qualify from memory. I remember that Mrs. Bagley was traveling down the road in the car, part of the car that has the steering wheel, and the car uh, there there was a collision, which uh, subsequently led to the death uh, a couple weeks later of her husband who was in, asleep in the other side. And what it turned about was that the, uh, the two weeks in, of him, them trying to rescue his life would have entire, entirely um, depleted the estate, and uh, Barbara Bagley uh, was the executor of that estate, and she had to do something re- responsible for that estate, otherwise it would be depleted by um, the, um, uh, the, the, the bills. And so what happened was Barbara Bagley, as executor, sued Barbara Bagley, the driver of that automobile, for negligence so that she could, if they proved negligence, the insurance would cover the hospital stay. And they all were mocking her. The TV stations were all mocking her, but she prevailed. And I find that to be a really interesting case for people at least to understand the nature of the thing that we're actually walking away from. The nature of the thing... that we're walking away from when we say, yes, the, you know, the citizenship you're talking about in this call, that is that, that nature. It's a nature to, she had two capacities there, and it was the corporate capacity of the driver and the corporate capacity of executor. And um, yeah. so very interesting that she had two persons in that one equation. So I'm, well, I will walk in. It's the same thing. It's, yeah, it's, that's a perfect case, and I've actually heard that case before as well. Uh, it's the same thing if you slipped and fell coming out of your front door on some ice and you broke your ankle. You'd sue your own insurance company. But you're not suing the insurance company. You're suing your legal persona because that's who owns the house. That's who's insured. It's a legal person. It's a legal fiction. So there is those two entities, you as a you know man or a woman, and the legal fiction or the legal persona, that citizenship paper. Uh, the citizen is not you. It is the accumulation or body of documents created starting with your birth certificate or birth application for the state registration. Sorry to cut you off, Daniel, but not but. No, I mean, I, I like the idea that... 
dear, dear Dad, all the papers you gave me when I was part of your house and as a child, uh, they represent an estate that I had an interest in. I'm now bundling them all up and creating property and putting them over here in trust. I'm serving issue, and now if you have any interest, if you think I owe you, please speak up or forever hold your peace. Goodbye. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's, uh, otherwise, I'm going to send, otherwise, I'm going to send one of Dave's carefully crafted estoppel letters your way, and then you're going to be shaking in your boots. Hey, Dan, is there any way I can contact you, man? It's Robert. I was just speaking about my uh, grandmother's estate. Who who are you asking that question to? Uh, Who's asking you, Dan? Were you asking me? Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, What people normally do over here is, my name is Daniel. They put a bat beacon in the sky, big old D, and I just, I answer the bat phone. But if you don't have that beacon. I'll do that. I'll talk to Rob. And make it (laughs) If you don't have that, you can send an email out to to, uh, me, uh, uh, W-Y-N-A-N-D-O-Y-L. Wine and oil, W-Y-N. A N D O Y L at Yahoo dot com. W Y N A N D O Y L at Yahoo dot com. Wine and oil. Funny spelling. Two Y's in it and N's in Nancy. Wine and oil. All right, anyway, Dave, I'm sorry for jumping in there. I'm going to apologize for being so verbose, but um, very pleasurable. Good construct, good good conversation and timely uh, because we're talking about other issues on relation to the estate and our relationship to uh, the said name and people that uh, think they have an interest uh, in um, uh, what would ultimately be our property because um, my energy is my property unless you're telling me that I'm a slave and come right out and say I'm a slave, at least we can deal with that. What are the terms of that slavery? When am I? When can I be free? Um, anyway. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So this, well, this construct is <laughs> I've got another question that's sort of related to what you spoke about tonight, if none of your other audiences. I don't want to be a um, conversation pig. No, no, help yourself. Well, you talked about getting the Attorney General involved, and, and this is of, of great interest to me. Um, is this once again? Is this first-hand experience, or is this something that they're, they're that you think that they're supposed to do, but you've never seen it play out? Well, I know that's what they're supposed to do, and when I go in there and I question, you know, who made you God over me? Who do you think you are, uh, as it pertains to me? When I question their authority in that way, um, usually they they just say, "Case dismissed. Have a nice day." Um, but, but well, that's two different. Yeah, that's two different animals. That you know, and you're talking about somebody. Somebody may not have the personality, the drive, or the ability to be so confrontational. So if they sent, say, your judicial notice there and gave them a heads up that they belong to another, and they great religious, religious, and very spiritually held arguments, then the by by default, I would think then the special prosecutor must be called upon. This is what I'm asking you. If you've ever seen this. Well, you, um, and again, I haven't seen it because I've never gotten that far. Um, usually I'm, stuff gets thrown out, although what I have seen is it also thrown out, uh, utilizing 
that judicial notice. And again, I'll mention this. I have, I have uh, three documents. Actually, it's four documents. One is the memorandum of law on religious freedom that was sent to all executive and administrative agents and agencies as far as um, that was written by the Attorney General in 2017, okay, at the behest of the President in 2017. Okay, so the memorandum is fresh, uh, it's relevant, and it was given to all executive and administrative agents, which is all of your courts, all of your agencies, all of your cops, everything. Um, and they are all familiar with it. Um, it is on the very first title in the judge's reference books, okay? And that's uh, the Justice Manual, Title One, Section 15. And it tells that exact thing um, that if there is a question of religion uh, or religious rights, that automatically has to be moved to the Attorney General or the Assistant Attorney General's office. Uh, and, and a special prosecutor must be um, assigned. So at that point, you're, you're basically uh, taking it from some dinky town court or city court or county court, and automatically you have it brought to uh, the federal level. Now, I, if you're going to use it that way, and, and it's not a horrible addition, Daniel, maybe I will just change the, uh, the notice to say that very thing, that any questions in any court are going to be questions of religion. All religious questions have to go to the Attorney General's office for, uh, you know, for considerations. Well, let me, let me again, go one step further. Can I go one step further on that? Then, sure. then you could also you can make a request for notice of who the special prosecutor is so you can continue your communication with said appointed uh, um, uh, public servant. So, yeah. because if the court automatically loses jurisdiction when the issues of religion are raised, as you contend, which um, I'm going to go back and, and see that provision, and I, for somehow I missed it, so I want, to, I want to track on this. And this is very interesting, what you raised. It's very relevant to people I know that have spiritual, um, uh, their life is, is, is attempts to be infringed upon and their, and their, and their walk with um, with God as they see it, it's infringed upon in many ways because of these, um, um, well, these laws that are no laws. Uh, well, they're presumptions. And, and it's really not so much the laws, it's the presumption that everybody is subject, and not everybody is. The Queen well, I mean, of England is not subject to the local laws or any of the national laws. Same thing with any other dignitary from anywhere else. They're not well, to, whom did the, to whom did the kings of the earth, um, whom did the people pay, pay tribute? Uh, you know, and, and did they take it of the subject or of children? So uh, Yeshua said. And so what, what, what we're, when we pay their tribute, are we not admitting to be their servants? And isn't that, um, uh, wouldn't that be opposed to our confession to belong to another? I mean, I'm looking at it from its, its logical conclusion. I'm creating syllogisms. Yeah. It's my new word. I'm, I'm playing a lot with it. Yeah. Which, is why I would, which is why I would absolutely decline on, on, the, on the grounds of my religious belief to pay any taxes or any fees or to be subject to any of their contracts by force or threat of force or any other type of uh, um, 
you know, coercion. Well, I, I, I might say contingent upon your proof of claim to be able to indemnify me when I'm facing face to face with my creator, which you cannot do. Right, and they're not going to do it. Again, look at look at Ed's uh, you know bill of particulars. You're, anytime Correct. you're questioning the jurisdiction or the authority of the court, this is why. Again, I'm going to go in there, and, and my process would be. This is my indenture. I'm making my declaration. I am contractually obligated to follow this indenture. I am a trustee of this indenture, and I'm contractually bound to follow its laws, not yours. I'm a citizen of heaven. I am not a citizen of the United States of America or any state thereof. I am not claiming dual citizenship. Now, I just made that declaration. Okay, here is my indenture, boom, my Bible, whichever one I prefer, okay? And I now open it. Anybody have a claim based on any law or rule in here? Now, again, the other thing I would claim is right then, subject matter jurisdiction over anything that I have, okay? I have a special registry that has the things that I've been entrusted with in there. And then I have a minutes. And those minutes show the deed that actually took place and when those things became entrusted to me. And my acceptance of them. Okay? And they all fit right there in the Bible. Okay? There's my trust. The whole thing right here. They only ask to see your declaration and your indenture. And I expressed both. Now, my law is, is here. I have subject matter jurisdiction because I'm the trustee of this trust. So I am uh, the only administrator. Now, is there anyone in this courtroom that's claiming to be an administrator over me or my property? So I'd like to add to that and have you have some fun with this because I, I all the time would, would teach and, and uh, even going back to Colorado Springs in the year 2000, that, uh, you know, the scripture is law, and Yeshua was teaching, uh, Jesus was teaching law, and uh, he was overcoming the Roman uh, civil law in his day and showing us how. And he gave us an example. He said to the disciples, who, who do men say that I am? And yeah. they answered, and he said, and who do you say that I am? Here's a two-pronged test. And later on in the scripture, we were instructed to make our calling and our election, sure. sure. These, are the, these are the two things that we are to make these sure. What, by what are you called, and to what have you elected? And I don't know if you can say it any simpler than that, Dave. That just sounds to me like that's the, the simplicity of the gospel message, your calling and your election. To whose do you belong, and uh, your calling, is, and, what is, and what is your name? And if, if for some reason you have such a bad name, or if I have a reason to change your name, that's even biblical, that uh, Paul was once Saul, and you, you get the picture. Ch name, uh, name changes um, as far as... Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, you know? Right. So um, you're, you're, you're talking about all night long uh, calling an election when you're, um, when you're defining um, your citizenship. Yes, because which if, also if explains the jurisdiction that I'm under. 
Right. Well, I just wanted to jump in there with those two biblical stories because I think it's uh, very cool that when we look at the liberator, uh, the one who set us at free, and, um, and, and this is how he took captivity captive. Yes. <laughs> Provided a way. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Excuse me. Trusts used to be known as ways. Medieval time. One of the things they were called, a way. Can you say that again, please? A way? W-A-Y? Yeah. Like the way or a way. <laughs> yes. It was a way. It was a way to transfer. Uh, that's what trust were. So there was a way for people to transfer ownership without it reverting back to the king and, and or queen during uh, feudal times, which is what got rid of feudalism in the in the first place. Because a woman or a child couldn't hold, uh, you know, own property, they could be trustees over property. So a husband going off the war would make the the wife a trustee and and the child the beneficiary, and that would get passed down. The children were brought up to be beneficiaries, and and so on and so forth throughout uh, that you know the history of trust. That's what they've been here for. That's what they were created for. And again. You, you know that was what it was in the in the 15th century. Uh, trusts have been around from the beginning. Adam and Eve in the garden was a was a trust. It was a trust, and the trust was breached by the trustees, which was why they get tossed out. <laughs> we can go on and on with that, and it's we're unable to get back to that until the covenant was. Uh, so there was a, a new covenant, another way, a, a way back in. Forgiveness. Return to Shuva. And, and that's what where I know we about the issues with, with the mask. Because I don't, I don't wear my mask. I don't even believe in that stuff. You know, I believe that God protects me, and I have a right. You know, and. I do not wear masks. I haven't worn one since they brought it out. You know, I don't believe that that has sure. any power over me. You get what I'm saying? Right. And they said they said that uh, Biden signed the uh, mandate, uh, the executive order that masks are has to be worn in government buildings. In all well, every single shop that's uh, chartered by every corporation that's been chartered by the government is a government corporation. So in a government building. You know, and everything else. So, again, why do you think they can enforce that and, and basically deputize the, the greeter at Walmart to enforce law? I'm not putting one on. I haven't. I'm, I won't now. I didn't then, and I won't now. No. Sure. Well, it's I the same thing. Forced, yeah, forced immunizations and all that other stuff. That, you know, again, we don't have to ask permission. We don't need to, you know, go and, and, and give them notice or anything. We notify them explicitly right then and there. Right then and there. And if you don't want me in your business, that's fine. I can, I'll go and spend my money somewhere else. I don't need to spend it there. I'm the same way. I, I'll tell you what, I went to uh, Nebraska last week 
um, for my daughter-in-law's workers' comp trial, and um, we, we were going to stop in, in Missoula on the way out of town to grab a bite to eat. I, I, right as we walk in, I get attacked because I'm not wearing a mask. And I'm like, you know, I mean, we stopped at two different places before we left town, and I basically was uh, chased out of both of them. And um, to the point where somebody almost got, you know, uh, touchy. <laughs> and that wouldn't have ended well. But, um, you know, it's it's crazy how... They can manipulate everybody, and they believe that these are laws and rules and all these things. And, again, it's the arbitrary, uh, you know, it's the arbitrary scribble or babble of whatever politician sitting in whatever seat. So it's Biden. But last week it was Trump. Who cares? That's violation of rights, though. I have a right to. Your rights are anything that's not wrong, and you don't get them or need to ask them what they are. A right is anything that's not wrong. <laughs> people, look, people look to the government. People think their rights come from the Constitution, and they might if that you, you and choose to indenture yourself to it, okay? But that's a choice that you make. And, and the problem is, is the presumption that everybody has. That's where folks like me or like Daniel and others that are that – are, uh, you know, that, that that we live in our bodies and outside of the system, okay, that uh, we have issues with all the time because the presumption that everybody is a citizen and that we're supposed to have all these contracts. Well, some of us don't. <laughs> and therefore, when they bring us into a courtroom, they have no, no standing whatsoever because they got no contracts. So we go in, and, and again, if you manage your own affairs, it's very simple. Who here is claiming to be a trustee over me and or my estate? Where's your indenture? And where did you get the, who, who granted you this trust? When you start asking those jurisdictional questions, you've never seen judges run so fast. They become afraid because you're calling their bluff. We've been taught our whole lives that, that the government has authority over us, and guys in uniforms and badges and politicians and judges all have authority over us. Well, then how is it their, one of their, their main founding document, their Declaration of Trust, the Declaration of Independence, says that we're all created equal? How is it all of a sudden, by, by, by magical decree, that all these people that are claiming to be and acting as if they are government, okay, are now over us and not equal to us? Their own documents made them above us. That same document that supposedly uh, gave you your independence also puts you right into a, 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 a deceptive, uh, deceptive slavery uh, situation where you became the res or the assets of the trust. And you've entrusted yourself to them. And they're acting as trustees. 
telling you what you can and can't do with you and or your stuff. So I challenge subject matter jurisdiction. Subject, right, we saw subject is the res. Earlier I uh, read the definition of subject. And the subject is, a, is the res. The res is the assets in a trust. So subject matter is the assets in a trust, the res. And the subject matter jurisdiction or authority over that subject matter is whoever has been entrusted with it. Well, I've been entrusted by God for every single thing that I have. My kids, my friendships, my, my stuff, okay? And I manage my own affairs. I am the trustee. I am the one with subject matter jurisdiction and authority. So when I question who here has subject matter jurisdiction, who's claiming to be the trustee or the administrator of me and my affairs? And if the judge is stupid enough to say, I am, <laughs> they better start walking on water. They better have an indenture signed, you know, uh, that, that I turned myself and, and everything I have over to them personally. Or the government. doesn't make a difference that I entered into that contract knowingly with full disclosure and, and uh, you know, all the other elements that, that create a valid contract. And there is none. There is none. So... But when you ask these questions, it, it, it's, they're going to be hard-pressed to say anything. Um, and, again, if, you're, um, and if, if, if you have an issue or if you're nervous about going into those courts, uh, shoot me an email, afleemaninbabylon at gmail.com. So I, I've got that memorandum that I've spoken about, a judicial notice, an affidavit of trust, document that I wrote, a, an estoppel and uh, declaratory judgment document, and a cease and desist document. Uh, they're all part of a single process. It's the basis for that process, and it, these documents, other than the memorandum of law uh, that I didn't write, that was written by the Attorney General, um, everything else can be added to or customize to fit your situation. But I would suggest that if you're going to get them from me, I, they're, they're, I don't charge for them, I'm not charging you for them, um, that you learn them. You make it your own. You know it inside and out and know who you are because that's basically those documents are going to define you, who you are, who you're not, what you're willing, you know, what you're entrusted with and, and what you're... Uh, willing to put up with or not. And you and you could customize these documents to fit your situation actually pretty much however however you need to. So if you're dealing with a foreclosure or you're dealing with a, a uh, you know a uh, uh, child custody issue or whatever, you can um, you can claim your rights under the word. So again uh, child custody, husband and wife, uh, you're both trustees over the child until they are the age of majority or maturity until they are uh, able to handle their own affairs. And you have a joint trusteeship. You are both responsible. Uh, 
you know, and, and you establish your own terms on how you would like to raise your children, even if it's not together. And you agree to it, and the courts have nothing to say. You may end up having to, if the courts try to say something, you may have to rescind the wedding contract, you know, the wedding license, which is a contract between the husband, the wife, and the state, not the man, the woman, and God. That's their distorted version of it, okay? And that the product of everything, uh, which would normally be dedicated to God and and, and in trust because of God, is now entrusted to you, back to you, because the state allows it. So these documents can be used for a lot of different things, pretty much anything. Um, I'm working on a few other things that uh, will come out soon enough and, and uh, also help you when dealing with the state and any type of legal issue. Uh, enough rambling. I've got another hour. Anybody else have any comments, questions, or topics they'd like to discuss? Dave, Daniel again. Yeah. <laughs> so this um this this I've got two things. The attorney general thing has got me intrigued. Um so you've got this uh this Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General of the United States, issued an executive order that dictates that a special attorney general a special prosecutor has to be assigned to the matter. And you're claiming yes. that's a federal prosecutor is what you're claiming, if I understood that properly. Yes, from the attorney general's office. All, any of the districts. Every district is required to have one. And I, I've heard these, these, and so we, we, as you know, I've been at it a long time, as long as well as you've been at it a long time, without putting any numbers out there. Um, and what I've heard them called before was liaison officers. Yep, and could be. Huh? Yeah, that could be what they call themselves, but. Uh, they're, they're required to have one in each district that is specific to religious questions in the Constitution. Are these are these parties um, uh, known? Is the registry of these parties made available by statute, or you just found out about it by happenstance? How did you find out about there has to be one in each district? Um, and again, it's in that same uh, justice manual. So if you go to the, if you go to the, uh, the Department of Justice's website, or I have it in the library on on my website. But if you go to the Department of Justice's website, and you go to resources, and then uh, the very last button on there says the justice manual, and it's a judge's reference guide, you know, a desk reference. It's next to every judge. They have them for appeals. They have them for civil cases. They've got them for all kinds. They have all kinds of desk references on that site. But the one you're going to look at is the Justice Manual, and Title One, Section 15 is uh, has to do with religion. Okay. And that process. Um, so what that actually, what what that uh, speaks to me then is. Correct me if you think this is um, out of order, because you've been spent a lot more time thinking about this equation than I obviously had in this realm uh, the, of the uh, special uh, prosecutor um, appointed this liaison officer of sorts. 
Um, I'm going to call them that right now to see if it matches what uh, my experience, my stories that I've listened to. Um, but uh, why not uh, send your your judicial notice directly to that uh, the officer presumptively that 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 was appointed as the liaison or as, as that particular party? If a if a man or woman gets bothered in the in the interest of their walking their kingdom walk and somebody tries to mess with their walk and they obviously have comprehend enough about their walk that to know that they belong to another and they can't serve two masters and they're able to articulate their faith and their logic and their reason and their standing, shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't such a letter be um, issued to uh, that party before it would be even apropos to even engage with such a court where they don't belong? Actually, I prefer, personally, I carry that 25-page memorandum and my judicial notice uh, in the vehicle with me. And if any time that a member of the public or an agent of the state um, tries to communicate to me, I serve them. Here, <laughs> you've been served. Don't ask me another question. You need to, you know, read this thoroughly. It's a, it's a uh, memorandum from your boss. Read the judicial notice. It's unrebuttable. Um, you know, if you have any questions uh, or you don't understand it, you need to contact your supervisor, get them out here. And if the both of you don't understand it, you need to contact your lawyers before, you know, uh, initiating any actions against me. And that's the only legal advice that I'm going to give you. At that point, I'm going to shut up and let them read it. And a lot of the times, it's that peaceful, and they're just going to hand it back to you and go, have a nice day. You don't have to go to court every day. It's much more peaceful to, to deal with them there right at the beginning. Well, right I believe we've been instructed. We've been instructed to agree with our adversary while we're in the way with him, and uh, and uh, lest we be taken to the judge and to pay the uttermost farthing. Um, so, what what there are we in an agreement of? We're both agreeing with what Jeff Sessions said was uh, was uh, applicable to that uh, particular moment. Um, that the well, just that they have already been notified of my rights. Uh, to my religious freedom, and uh, the fact that they have to accommodate my beliefs regardless. So even if they do end up taking an action, they've already violated my rights, and they took that action ultra-virously. Because I served them on the spot, if they do take an action, that that notice and, and, and uh, those two documents are material evidence in the case at that point. And I always film them. So you film them. As soon as they come up, you film yourself handing them the notice. You explain it nice and peacefully here. Everything you need to know about me is on this document. Um, one is a letter from your boss, the attorney general, and the other is a judicial notice that is unrebuttable in court. If you have any rebuttals, you can rebut my my uh, my assumptions, or actually my declarations uh, of fact. And at that point, uh, you better bring your evidence. 
because it'd be very presumptuous to, to even question it. And that's another thing that the letter says, that 25-page document. They're not even allowed to question your religious beliefs. They can't judge them. They can't do anything. All they can do is accommodate them. So it's a lot more peaceful to deal with them that way than having to get to a court level. That's why I like to do it that way. And they are. They're a lot nicer. <laughs> a lot nicer to deal with. And you can use that notice. I have people, uh, somebody was asking, I think it was Robert, about the, uh, you know, how to stop them from harassing you. Uh, carry that notice. Serve them right then and there at the store. You know? Hey, uh, what was what was your email again? A, a Freeman Babylon at Gmail? At Gmail. At Gmail.com. Well, I just tried to send you an email. It said that um, said it wouldn't go through. Well, check your spelling. It's it's the letter A, F R E E, M A N, I N, B A B Y L O N. Oh, in Babylon. In Babylon, yeah, a free man in Babylon at gmail dot Okay, okay, I got you. Yep, I'm in the world, but not of it. Babylon's cold this time of year. Sure is, especially where I'm at. <laughs> we got down into the teens today. It's uh, definitely chilly. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that we have uh, the birth certificate, which is this creation of corporate uh, agency that we carry around, and all contracts issued out from it are the acts of a child. It's also called the child certificate. The child's name is right on it. You go look at your birth certificate, it'll say child's name. And that child is that one spoken of in Galatians that will, even though he's Lord of all, would be servant until the time appointed as the father. And we know that time appointed is when we make our call in an election, sure. And uh, otherwise, we'll always be identified as a child in baby land. Yeah. Baby land, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and that's part of the reason why when you go to court, they want you to be pro se, okay, re or represent, represent yourself as the surety. They want you to represent yourself as the surety for the fiction. Because what happens is, if you don't, then whoever's bringing the claim against the estate, if they are a trustee of the state, which they are, then they can be held as the fiduciary and one that is legally responsible for the ward. And that's just going back to what you just said, Daniel. It's the child. The child is a ward. Are you going to take the surety for the ward or take responsibility, or, or are they? And again, it's not you. It's not who you are. It's a creation that they created to have authority over it, and we all think it's us. And we go, yep, that's right. me. Right, but that also applies, it also applies to child support. Everyone thinks it's their babies they're talking about. They're talking about the child that was created. No right. contracted birth certificate, no ability to create that agency They've got to have some form of certificate of ownership, that title that the, the court is officiating over. Well, this uh, is why the preferred, yeah, and that's why they prefer the doctor not 
put the father's name on the uh, certificate because that the father is the one with the authority in the family, and that's where parents' parenti comes in, and that's why they even have that rule, that statute. Yes, yeah, somebody was telling me today that their their birth certificate had the mother and father, and it was she signed in her married name and their father's name was on it. I said, that's rather unusual. I, I don't think I've heard many birth certificates like that. I think mine is. I think mine had both my mother and father on them. But see, and that's even that's even more treacherous if you think about it. It's like these four parents, they were so invalid and so in, uh, in, in, without ability that they had to give their children over to be uh, a, a trust ward and be issued a person of, uh, in the category of trust property of the United States. Because that's what these certificates create. They create that relationship where the, uh, that there is a vessel created and it's a person. Like the person of uh, Bagley we were talking about earlier. It creates that ability to have a persona. And absent a new name or new persona, we can't, it's no wonder that they give us, um, they continue to charge us. And, you know, who shall they charge to any of the elect? Well, we're supposed to make sure our calling an election is sure that that could be said of us. Who shall they charge to any of God's elect? It doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So you're encouraging me no, to stay the course. He is our surety. He is our surety. He paid the price. We were redeemed from the law of sin and death. That's what their law is. The laws of sin and death. It's, it's, it's the additions. It's the subtractions. It's the jots and tittles that were added and taken away that, you know, are void. We're void in the first place. But, again, we get into these things where we're dealing with them and, and, and we're giving them way too much credit. I mean, these, these are, they have no authority unless you are foolish enough to give it to them. And, and, and again, most of us were. Most of us were foolish at one point. Um, you know, and, and, you know, nobody knows at all. But, again, we've got, there, there are ways um, that will save you having to study the law, their rules for the next 30 years. That gives you a very simple way to deal with and, and, and uh, you know, maintain a separation from the state, the government, and allow you to manage your stuff freely, manage your life freely, and peaceful ways to, to uh, communicate with them, you know. And as, when we do have to communicate, we're an ambassador. <laughs> we're an ambassador. We're here diplomatically. We're here diplomatically, and, and we, we offer peace. And if you know, and, and that's uh, that you know, that's not something that they can just you know snub their nose at, which some people will, <laughs> and and others are intimidated, real intimidated. Get pulled over by a cop, and when he walks up, start start preaching to him. <laughs> you have a nice day, sir. Hey, take care. <laughs> they don't want to hear it because they think they are God. They think they are. They're acting as if they are, 
anybody calling themselves a judge or a lawmaker, and then again, anybody else who's uh, trying to enforce those laws or trying to play God over you, govern you, control you, and you don't have to allow it. You question it, peacefully question it, and it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot easier just to hand them the document and say, hey, but know it, know it, because if you don't have it with you, you can still express it. And that's even better because it's a part of you and they can't take that away or lose it. That evidence is going to be there and you're going to feel confident uh, as if you're walking in, in, in God's shoes himself. You know, you ever seen that little, uh, little footprints in the sand, you know? <laughs> say, David. Yeah. What if, um, say you get served uh, to come to court, you, you know, you, you still have contracts, and say it's a, another party, a, a credit card company, a debt collector suing you. Um, okay. Then uh, what, what made me think of this was uh, when you were talking about, you know, them wanting you to come in pro se. Um, would would you be able to like uh, when they put that into the record that you're pro se without saying it because if you're not represented they automatically put you in as pro se uh, in the initial documents so would you be able to try and correct them and say you're coming in as you know a, a, a creation of God and if they don't recognize that, then they don't have jurisdiction? You can definitely question the court's jurisdiction. Um, and again, that's what I would do. I would, I would totally question the jurisdiction of the court to hear the case. Forget the, forget the uh, you're, they're in the wrong venue. And who they're looking for is the in legis persona, right? The, the commercial name. Yeah. So you can do it a couple of ways. You can do it a couple of different ways. How I got rid of my school loans is I told them it's a private it's a private estate. David Horowitz is a private estate. You know, I'm a trustee. Do you have a contract with the estate? They're like, no, we have a contract with the man. Well, uh, there is no man with the with the social security number. Only companies have social security numbers or tax identification numbers. I had no, no idea what to, what to say. Next thing I know, I got $87,000 worth of school loans are gone. But you, you can do, you can challenge the court's jurisdiction if it gets to that. You know, don't go in there and appear as, you know, or, or make a claim. You do the separation. You ask, you know, uh, who here has subject matter jurisdiction to manage my affairs? I am a man. <laughs> Anybody who's claiming to have subject matter jurisdiction is a trustee over whatever they're claiming jurisdiction is uh, over the subject matter. So if it's you or your car or the licenses that you've signed, if they come in and go, here, you sign this license, okay? And and you agreed to the rules, okay? And you're still under those contracts. You can say, I mean, how hard is it to to say, well, you know what? 
those contracts were initiated um, by um, false pre uh, uh, or were created under false pretenses and deception, fraud. And you can collapse that contract right there expressly. But what if, if you mean, have back to, back to say like a um, a credit card company or a debt collector? Um, mm -hmm. Because I mean, there there actually is a contract there, and then if you're the okay. trustee, then then you could you could be held liable, uh, couldn't you, in that commercial system? No, because the trust. Okay, again, if it's in private, it, it depends on where it is. If it's in the public, this is why you would collapse the things. All right, I'm looking at this as if it was a, a claim made to me, okay? Somebody comes and says uh, a collection agency or some credit card company claims I owe them money, okay? Um, now, is that your situation, the credit card? Yeah, I mean, some, something like, you know, I'm not sure. A debt, a debt collector or, well, a credit card uh company is going to only send bills, and if you don't pay them, they're going to turn it over to collections. Um, yep. You know, if they have a contract with a wedding signature, um, you know, did the signature create a, a promise to pay? And if it did, that promise to pay is now a promissory note, right, with your signature on it, which has value, your energy. And in their system, it's bankruptcy. Okay, so again, uh, you you can demand that it be discharged in the U.S. bank or under the U.S. bankruptcy, um, or you can turn that and leave its persona over to, you know, uh, the other company's lawyer and, and and endorse it and say, here you got, I'm entrusting you with the the defendant that you're looking for. Do with them what you will. <laughs> I, I was thinking about uh, sending them, getting them to agree to if I paid them a, a certain amount of cash, uh, you know, that they'd settle it like I'm negotiating. And uh, yeah, when I get that agreement, that. then send registered mail and send them a bunch of Iraqi dinars that are worth like 0. .0008% of <laughs> what the dollar is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the dinars are, uh, it's funny, when I was setting up uh, corporations and trusts with uh, a, big, a big company out of Vegas, um, we had somehow uh, got into a, um, uh, like a dinar pool where all these guys were hearing about what we were doing, and uh, <laughs> and they bought up tons of those things hoping that it would come back. Because they figured it, if it ever went up, they would, be, you know, they could turn their pennies into to millions. But uh, it's the same thing. It's another fiat currency. Um, you can do it that way for sure. That's what uh, John and and Ed talk about, and, and it's, you know, I talked about it as well. It's part of the discharge process. You know, they can't tell you what species to pay in, right? So yeah, you could do that. They can't tell you to, you know, they can't, the court can't order you to pay in anything, you know. 
you say, the Bible says that, uh, you know, to owe no man anything but to love them. You tell them, you say, you know, uh, as a token of my love for you, I'm sending you these however many they wanted, uh, you know, $1,000, right, a 1000 I'm sending you a 1,000 hugs to be redeemed whenever you would like. There, I just love my neighbor and we're even. Because they never gave you anything of value anyway, especially a credit card. The money is fiat. The money is no value. Has no, nothing you can't, it's an IOU from them. So what's the difference between an IOU from them and an IOU from you? The same thing. I I was mostly in ours just to, to try it, to see, you know, what kind of worked. I mean, I'm, I'm fairly prepared to, to battle it. But the, the question um, that, or what brought it to my mind was about, you know, correcting the court on uh, basically pro se, but then is that admitting you're the, um, the, the defendant, the legal person, if you correct how they yeah. have to... uh, Again, you don't answer any questions. You ask questions. So when the judge goes you know, and, and brings the claim on behalf of, you know, the plaintiff brings the claim, right, in, in civil court, right? They're going to make a claim. And, and first off, I mean, you can hand over, prior to doing that, you can hand over that uh, a copy of that birth certificate, which is a bond signed on the back, paid to the order of on the front, and they could fill in for whatever the heck they want to. But you just handed them the legal persona that they're looking for, and it's signed as a promissory note on the back. It's part of their discharge bankruptcy at that point. The birth certificate is property of the United States. It's discharged against the same credit they created it with, which is why you accept it for the value that they're giving you, which is none, right, by decree. There's no value inherent in what they're giving you. So when you go and you return it for that same value, it's not worth anything. It's a promise to pay. There's no inherent value. You're sending them the same species back. That's why that now This hasn't been to court. This hasn't been the court, or, or I haven't been served papers or anything. It was just kind of a question. But um, would, what about sending the birth certificate that way to uh, their attorney? Well, you can, you can send that with the, with the letter that states, here is the enlegus persona that you're looking for, and it matches with the, with the claim they're making against the all-cap name. And it's signed by a government official, <laughs> and it's written out as a you know on bond paper. So now you just again pay to the order of and sign it on the back, discharge, accepted for value, whatever you want to write on there. But you can send in a notice that you could just send the birth certificate by itself and say, Here, here's the dead entity that you're looking for to to pay your debt, um, you know. It's now in your possession. Do with it what you want. Have a nice day. 
Corporations abandon ship all the time. All the time. And if they don't if they don't dissolve the corporation, that corporation is a is a capitalist entity at sea. Floating whoever knows where. But any corporation can be abandoned. You're only an employee. You can quit anytime you want. The entity is standalone. And so is that. You need his persona to stand alone. Maybe I'll try that and see. I, the attorney might not even get it. That's why I would explain it very specifically in a notice. Yeah. Send yeah. them a notice. Here is the legal person that you're looking for. Do with them what you will. You can't get blood out of a piece of paper. Yeah. And that piece of paper yeah. is not you, but it is what they're looking for. It is who they're looking for. It is the entity they are looking for, not you. They're hoping that you're going to jump up and say, yeah, that's me, just like when the court says it. But if you turn it over and say, here they are, they've been costing me my whole life, damn thing. Have, make 100 copies of it. <laughs> Send one to each of your creditors. There you go. Open it up. Robert, uh, Robert Michael, I think his name is Robert Michael. He would, uh, yep. he does it. To, he does it to get rid of cases. Yeah, and they do, and they come back and they say no low prosecutor, so they're not going to prosecute. And they go and they, you know, cash out on that bond. They're happy to do so because it's a discharge, and their account will get credited. It's a money order. I may try that then. Thanks, David. Yeah, no problem. Hope it helps. Do you have anything else? Anybody else have any questions or comments? We've got a little bit of time left. Nobody? <laughs> Well, we can wrap it up a little bit early. Up to you. How do you feel about the Declaration of Independence? How do I feel about it? Well, it's uh, it is a trust declaration. The people who signed it entered into a trust that they were leaving. You know. King, whatever, and, and uh, you know, going to, uh, you know, together, forge their way uh, independently. And, again, it, it, it speaks about uh, the trust. It also shows how to dissolve or collapse the trust when, you know, uh, when those that you've entrusted to, to take care of your affairs don't do, and I'm paraphrasing it, uh, don't do what they're supposed to do. Uh, you can, you know, uh, take them down and set up others to manage your affairs the way that you choose to do so. It's a trust, and it's a trust declaration. Um, I've got a really good uh, memorandum um, on on that topic, and uh, it's a memorandum of law. 
on the public trust, I believe. Um, if you want to reach out, I'm happy to share that document as well. Um, it's also on the uh, website in the library if you become a member. But it's a uh, very well-written uh, treatise on what that declaration and constitution are um, and, and how they're supposed to be operated. But um, and again, that the public trustees are exactly what they are, public servant, public trustee. The reason why they use the term servant is, you know, kind of to deflect the fiduciary and legal responsibilities of a trustee. But a servant and a trustee are, are synonymous. They serve the trust and they, and they, uh, they serve the beneficiary, their best interests. And in the public trust, we're supposed to be the beneficiaries. They had all the fiduciary responsibility from the raw deal on. And all this garbage was, was initiated here, 1913 or 1933, um, where they started initiating birth certificates and setting up this public trust because they took all the gold and silver, uh, you know, and, and uh, initiated this fiat currency. So they had to operate in bankruptcy, and the only way a bankruptcy operates, if you've ever seen a bankruptcy case, the court appoints a trustee or a receiver, same thing, for the bankruptcy. Okay, it's a trust situation. And, and, and discharge and offset are the only ways to balance out that trust because it's, it's bankrupt. There are no assets. Hope that makes sense. Um, but as far as uh, my, my opinion on the Declaration of Independence, it's a trust declaration. And uh, some people take an oath to uphold and defend it, you know, along with the Constitution, um, which is the second part of the trust, the indenture, right? So they indenture themselves to it as public officers or trustees or servants. And then... Uh, Anyone with a birth certificate would be considered a beneficiary. That's a certificate of beneficial interest in the public trust, which you were registered into, or the legal name was registered into and created, split title. That split title was an illegal persona and a, and a real baby. And the title split. And we never, ever went and cashed it in, uh, which uh, these are some of the processes I'm going to be working on soon because uh, I've got a lot of folks that are interested in doing just that. And uh, me, I walked away from it all a long time ago. But um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go and do that myself um, is to collapse those trusts for fraud. Um, and breach of trust, and uh, go through that process and, you know, maybe get a full accounting of what they stole from me my entire life while I was, while I was in that system. I've been out for, totally out for the better part of 10 years.
Did that answer your question about the Declaration of Independence? Or No, that was great. Thank you. Perhaps other people would have a question. Sure. Thank you. There anybody else has any questions, comments, legal issue they want to discuss? Uh, I just got on late, and I was wondering if I could have some books out of your library, but I don't have your address or know the price of them. Well, there's no price on the books. I'm not selling the books. Uh, there's a membership. Uh, there's membership levels. The platinum membership will allow you into uh, full access on the site, the books, all the podcast recordings, things like that. There's probably five, 600 books in the library now, uh, maybe more. And they're all in PDF form. I'm not selling them. They're part of the membership. Uh, it's kind of like you, it's literally like me lending you a book out of my library. Um, so, and, and part of the platinum membership, it's $100 a month, um, but you get an hour uh you know, one-on-one -on -one with me over the month for consulting, training, uh, asking questions. Plus, you have access to me by email. And um, usually, it's uh, if, if you're interested in learning more about trust, private trust. Um, but I'm I'm happy to discuss any legal topic. But the library has um, tons of books, lots of old books, uh, law books, books on trust, books on constitution. Um, books on international law, contract law, you name it, it's in there. Um, but, yeah, that's how you would access those, and uh, you become a platinum member on the website. It also gives you a discount if you were to, you know, hire me for any trust services or setting up an estate or something like that, trusted services. I think that's the most I've ever plugged what I do. <laughs> so, but yeah, you can uh, you can go onto the website and you know find all, find out all about the, the memberships. Um, it's bulletproofsolutions.org. That answer your question? Yes. Right on. Anybody else have any questions? Hey, do your company help with uh, your, your website helps with uh, getting approved for a loan or finances or something? Um, I was in corporate finance for years. Um, I help people manage their trusts, and, and as part of that, they're looking for loans, uh, establishing the business trust, things like that. Um, I do have ways to help do those things. And yes, I've gotten many, many, many people loans for their businesses. Yeah, I was trying to get a loan for my business because, um, I mean, my vehicle just broke down within the last couple months. You know, I got, I'm trying to take care of this estate issue, and I'm not able to get no credit, and I never had credit. I just started building my credit, and uh, just a big, big headache, man. Yeah, I, I, I had a full-blown business consulting firm for a lot of years. Um, so I can help with any of those things as well. 
Right. What would I want? Send you an email or go on to your website? Uh, if you want to talk um, privately, you and I, to figure out what your what your needs are, I can. Uh, you can go to the website at the bottom. There's a calendar. Um, one says uh, free. The other one is if you want to uh, get some, you know, other time with me. But first, first time we always talk. It's free. And and uh, again, if you become a member on the website, you get an hour every month to talk. So uh, at least if you're passionate, and um, to me, it's not about the money. That's not. That's why I don't bring this up very often. Um, <laughs> but you're giving so, something that nobody can take from us, though. Yeah, well, uh, I, you know, freely I, I have received. It's taken my time and, you know, freely give for the most part. I still need to survive and, and uh, if, oh, yeah. you know. So. <laughs> but, no, I'm not, uh, I mean, the documents that I'm giving away, I could sell them, but. You know, I, you know, if I, if I got the keys to the jail, why would I? Why would I sell it to people? I just, you know, I, I'd rather not see people suffer. So, when I'm doing business stuff, like you know, again, if you want me to build you a website, I can build you a website. Uh, I did that one, but um, you know, I charge for those services for my time. That's understandable. Yep. Well, I don't have lots of it, so <laughs> not that any of us do. I think we all get 24 hours a day if we're lucky. But yeah, no. If you want, you can set up an appointment on there on one of the cal- on the free calendar, and I'm happy to talk to you about it. Is there uh, any other questions or legal issues or comments? David, this is Karen. I was wondering, you mentioned um, collapsing public trust. Is there a way that one might uh, claim the equity from those public trusts, sir? Yes, absolutely. A trust, if you're the beneficiary and there's been a breach of trust, you can call the, the trustees to a full accounting of everything that's ever been in your name, in that name. Might you have a template that would help me and know who I need to submit that template to in order to claim the equity? Well, again, I'm working on some documents for that right now for for one of my clients. Um, And it will be, you know, I'll be making those available on the website um, when they're done. So some of those templates, um, you know, when it comes to these commercial things, it's, uh, you, you, you administrate your trust the same way. You know, you, you're dealing with uh, the day-to-day management of your trust and how to deal with, with those that you come in contact with without the trust. You know, not a party to the trust. So, yeah, there's, uh, there are ways to do that. I'm working on that now, and probably within the next two weeks, I'll have the, those templates ready to go. that answer your question, Karen? Yes, sir. Thank you, David. I appreciate it, hon. You're welcome. Thanks for asking. You bet.
I have a tag right. on question. Sure. Just a quick one. Um, if you, if you're trying to get the equity, and but they only operate in debt, in a bankruptcy, is it possible to even get equity? <laughs> well, I, I would assume that there are things that that they own or claim are that are part of the trust that pertain to all the land patents that are in that trust, um, you know, federal lands, things like that, state lands, depends on who, you, who you're collapsing and, and what's been what's been made or, or you know, what you've been uh, defrauded of, you know. Okay. It's like if you make a promissory note and you get a loan from them and they fractionalize that note, through the system, anything that's been made as a profit has been made off of that trust. They can be held accountable because they're not supposed to profit from the trust. And that's exactly what they're doing. And banking, banking is operating 100% under their rules. One of these days soon, I'm going to have Carl Collicott on the, on the call. We're going to reach out to him this week. Um, He'll be able to answer a lot of questions on on the um, the banking industry and uh, everything about it, all the rules pertaining to it. Who did you no, say you're going to reach out? Carl Collicott. He wrote a 65-page indictment against the banks for fraud. Okay. Among other things. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, David. Yeah, this is Um. When we were talking about collapsing the trust and claiming the equity, who might I request a statement of account from? The Attorney General here in Arkansas? Well, it all depends. It depends on the trust that you're collapsing, right? Okay. And, yes. and again, how, how is government administrated by department? Correct. Okay, so if you have a contract with any, any of those departments, they're acting as trustees on your behalf. So if you're a Department of Motor Vehicles, uh, the Social Security Administration, any of those trusts, they're all different. And there's all different types of assets that are put in there. Now, if, uh, you know, if, if, if um, a county is writing a bond for a building project and they're using their tax rolls, they're using your English persona to secure a loan. Okay. So that building project, you would have a, 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 a part of because you help fund it. So you have a share of whatever that is. And again, you demand the full accounting from that department, from the trustees who are specific to whatever you're going after, whether it's the Social Security Trust, the birth certificate from the Vital Statistics, Health and Human Services, <laughs> excuse me, the DMV, the FAA, the SEC, you know, the, the Secretary of the State for any companies that you, you know, that you chartered from them or have entrusted, you know, uh, have its being from the state's charter. So it all depends. Thank you, David. I yield. Yep. Thanks for the question. It was a good question. Any other questions? 
You got a couple minutes left here. Happy to stay to the end. <laughs> yeah, David, uh, have you ever sent out a court document to people that are looking for documents if they run into a lot of court issues and stuff like that? Yeah, that's the documents that I was talking about today, the um, the uh, Memorandum of Law on, on Religious Freedom, uh, the Judicial Notice and, and uh, Affidavit of Trust, of Private Trust, the um, follow-up to that, those two documents, which is a, um, it, it's a um, declaratory judgment and estoppel. And then the third, they violate the estoppel, a cease and desist order, uh, a cease and desist, and notice of intent to sue in their personal capacity. So if you the shoot me an email, I, I'm happy to send you one. The reason I was wondering is because I am running in circles with a court system that with child custody issues and I I am Amish and I have no idea how to go about this without the court documents. Well, if you're Amish, you're part of the Amish community. Yes. Wow, I'm surprised that you're having any issues because they usually uh, recognize your separation from them. Well, I mean that's that's the beauty of the, the Amish communities and and uh, Indian reservations. They just a lot of folks don't understand that that you're walking in with a lot more authority than they have. Right. So pretty much everything I was discussing today, again, you know, most Amish believe they're citizens of heaven, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, that uh, they're following a biblical model. So, again, that would put you under different law. That makes sense? Yes. Yeah, and if you shoot me an email, I'm happy to send you those documents. I I can't shoot an email with my phone. Uh, I don't have that option. Okay. Um, I don't know how else to get it to you. I don't like I'm using the post. I got Randall's address. I don't know if Randall is on this call tonight or not. Not sure. But if you can come up with a, you know, if you if you if you have a friend or somebody who has an email, I'm happy to send it to them, and you can just print it out. Yeah. So just keep keep hold of my uh, my email address, and when you when you have somebody, send it out. I'm happy to help you with that. And, and, and it really, it goes right along with how you how you're living as a, you know, in, in that community anyway. Totally consistent with with the Amish way of life. 
So you couldn't send one just to my address? I don't have physical copies of it. I mean, I'd have to print out a bunch of stuff, and I don't have a printer at my place. I'm off the grid, so I'd have to go into town and and pay to have it printed and mailed. Um, I, right now, that would be absolutely uh, impossible for me. I'm currently without a vehicle to drive, so... <laughs> Getting rides is, is, is like pulling nails, pulling teeth. <laughs> but if you can get somebody that I can send it to and you can get a copy of it, that's uh, I'm, I'm definitely happy to do that for you. You're there. All right. Anybody else have any other questions, comments, closing arguments? <laughs> All right, well, if that's it, then uh, I'm going to call it a night. You guys have a fantastic rest of your Sunday, and hope all your, your, your weeks are blessed. And thank you very much for joining me tonight on How to Win and Quote Without a Liar. You guys have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Dave. Hi, David. Good night, David. Good night.